Welcome to Ottawa Valley Vineyard, where we simply want to help you encounter Jesus, be transformed, and share his love. Yeah, so yeah, I just want to spend some time. We're in the middle of a series on Psalms, on the Psalms, just looking at various Psalms through the scriptures. And this week we're looking at Psalm 42. Uh, part of uh, the purpose in this is not just. Um, getting head knowledge or, or just learning the Psalms or something that engages with our heart, something that connects with us pretty deeply and, and ends up being transformative. And so we've got these devotionals also going through the week where uh, we're looking at the Psalm, each Psalm from a different perspective, wanting to see what it causes us to admit, admit about who our lives are, about what we're, we've got going on. Uh, we want to see uh, how it causes us to adore God and to see something beautiful about him that we haven't seen before and live lives of worship. And then what does it cause us to aspire to? What do we want to learn and grow and see uh, in terms of transformation in our lives? So catch those devotionals. I also want to recommend uh, to you a book um, by Timothy Keller uh, called The Songs of Jesus. And it's essentially a devotional book, but it's been a great source of material for this sermon series for me. And it's been really, really helpful, uh, something to read uh, and to just learn from, but also something uh, to maybe read in a devotional way. It's just been a, a great source for me. Uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, read uh, the scriptures together. Uh, we've got another one of our great uh, moms in our church, Ashley, who's going to uh, read for us. And we're just engaged with the scripture. Just encourage you to open up your Bibles and, and read along with Ashley and just let it uh, get into your heart. So let's just do the scriptures as a deer pants for flowing streams so pants my soul for you O god my soul thirsts for god for the living god when shall i come and appear before god my tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all the day long where is your god these things i remember as i pour out my soul how would I go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival? Why are you so cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and from Hermon, from Mount Mazar, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By the day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me, and while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Thanks so much, uh, Ashley, uh, for reading. Uh, for us and thanks so much uh, Aiden and Grace also for being super cute yeah you guys are fantastic I'm sure Aiden really loves uh, hearing that he's cute I, I, was that, I think it's the wrong thing to say to a teenage kid uh, but anyway you guys are awesome really uh, really grateful uh, for you you know Psalm 42 is a bit of a, an interesting choice I think in terms of the psalm it's a psalm really of the downcast it's a psalm uh, really of sort of the the spirit that's been um, a little bit in distress right and calling out to God uh, and I just felt like it was a really important one for us to engage with and maybe even in particular 
particular on, on Mother's Day, there are so many ups and downs and highs and lows and, and challenges on the journey. And we walk with uh, moms through all sorts of things uh, and know that you guys feel things uh, so deeply and uh, wrestle with things at, at a high level. And you carry your children and your families and your hearts in an amazing way. And in that journey uh, for moms, and I think in that journey for men as well, obviously, it's uh, it's it's a difficult thing to go into a space of being downcast or a space of being uh, feeling uh, pain or struggle or wrestle and, and just not know what to do. But what this psalm does for us is offers just incredible hope uh, about um, what we can actually do with uh, that space when we're in a space of being downcast. Uh, first thing I want to do is just, just make some really general observations. Um, first thing I wanted to say, we see this in the psalm as we begin to unpack it, is that when it's just a completely normal part of human experience to go through times of soul distress and to just not know what to do with it, that this is something that we are all going through, uh, just, just to bring relevance to us. Like if you're looking at your life and you're thinking, man, I haven't felt that you probably can look back and remember a time when you felt it before, or you're likely to experience it again. I'm not prophesying badness into your life at all. Um, or, you know, somebody that's going through a time of difficulty. So the, the tips and tricks and, and thoughts that are in this Psalm, I think are going to be really important for us. Uh, another observation to just make is, uh, that you you're just in great company with uh, the, the people of the scriptures. Um, you look at these two uh, great heroes of the faith. You've got Moses and uh, Elijah. These are just the greats, right? One representing the law, one representing the prophets, huge giants in the faith in the Jewish mind and giants in the faith in the Christian mind. Uh, this is something that great heroes in the faith experience, just the low points in these heroic lives. Um, you know, here's Moses uh, in the middle of uh, the desert saying, if you will uh, treat me like this God, like kill me at once. Like this is, doesn't sound like hero talk. We don't see this in like Superman comics, right? Or Elijah later after he's had this incredible victory with the prophets of Baal, it's like enough now, Lord, just take away my life. So these are again, the giants. And, and that's one of the beautiful things that helps us understand the value of the scriptures as, as an authentic document is that we give it the highs and the lows of the heroes. And so this is just something that is, um, uh, a part of life. The other observation I want to make is that sometimes uh, in these moments of despondency or difficulty or challenges that uh, reasons for that soul thirst aren't always directly related to a clear cause that you can determine. Uh, it's one of the things that's actually absent from this text. If you remember listening to what Ashley wrote there, uh, we don't hear as we do often in the Psalms, maybe a cry out of repentance. Oh God, I've offended you. Uh, we don't hear about the attack of enemies. We don't hear about pestilence or plague or a disaster coming on the person. It's not actually explained why the psalmist is in this space. And sometimes that's just uh, the life that we experience. Sometimes these things come on us uh, in unexpected ways. Sometimes it's physiological. Uh, but all the same, there's just tremendous hope for us in that space. I think one of the greatest things that we wrestle with in those times of, of despondency is just feeling powerless to change it. And what this psalm shows us is that there is something we can do. There are things that we can do. It's incredibly complex, but uh, we are empowered to put our soul's hope in God. And that's just the big idea for the whole message. The big idea for the whole psalm is that you are actually empowered uh, by the Holy Spirit to affect your spiritual trajectory. 
Uh, you don't have to be completely hopeless. And again, when we say things like that, that could make me make you feel guilt. Oh, it's my fault, or I haven't done enough, or I, I, I can't get out of this on my own. Like, what is he talking about? But I want to just say that there are just little things. There are steps. There are hopeful steps. And we'll just we'll just unpack that together and hope that'll make sense for us as we go. Uh, the other observation there is that there are just worse places to put your hope than in God. I came across this incredible, uh, hilarious business in Houston, Texas called Tantrums. It's called Tantrums. Houston and their big tagline is relaxation after devastation and it's actually these big plywood rooms and you can go in and for 32 bucks or or four or like 64 bucks depending on what's going to be in the room is they'll give you a baseball bat and a, or a lead pipe or wrenches or whatever it is and they got tvs and dishes and all kinds of stuff in there furniture and you just get like 15 minutes in that room to just smash everything and get your frustrations out and i don't know where they get all the stuff to do this but this is how part of their marketing material says this a mom has those days when she really can't take it anymore the kids, the boss, the husband, before you slap someone, come see us. <laughs> it's crazy, right? Uh, so I, I just think that there's better things to do. Like, like just don't put your hope in tantrum or don't put your hope in other uh, dumb stuff. Like this is directing us to the love of God, the incredible uh, love of God for you. You know, there's just this huge buffet out there of options for you. You can imagine a table just filled with sugary drinks, like with soft drinks, Coke, Pepsi, Snapple, everything that you can possibly imagine. And that stuff is just being offered us all the time uh, as ways to quench our thirst. And there's all kinds of options for things that are out there to quench your thirsty soul. And it's Netflix and TV and all kinds of uh, different things. But in the middle of all of that, in the middle of all of those options, the Lord has clear, cool beautiful, refreshing water. And that's just what we want to point us to. Uh, the love of God is the beautiful thing in the banquet that's actually going to nourish the soul. So we just want to jump into the text here really quick. Uh, Psalm 42 reads like this, uh, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. We just want to notice a few things. Uh, he's making a connection with nature here. And I just want to say that that spiritual thirst that we feel like sometimes we're talking about coming out of the depths of depression or a difficulty like that. But sometimes we're just talking about moments of just, man, I'm not quite right. I just am thirsty for God. I just need to connect. Right. Um, that spiritual thirst is really natural. Uh, like physical thirst, it's like a crucial rhythmic mechanism that repeatedly drives your soul to the love of God. Like you're actually made to get thirsty. You're made to feel thirst. That's an indicator of the reality that you need a drink, that you need to connect with the love of God. So it's kind of like an elastic band. You can imagine an elastic band. You stretch it out from its point of origin and stretch, stretch, stretch. And the further you stretch from it, the more intense the pressure pulling you back to it is. Uh, that thirst is something that God has given us that's a mechanism that the further we get from the love of God, the further we get from his presence, it's going to be more intense and it's going to pull us back further. So when we're feeling thirst, it's actually hopeful. It's actually telling us that there's something calling us, something drawing us back. I want to emphasize that word pants in there. That a, a deer doesn't just pant when it's thirsty. A deer pants when it's exerted itself, when it's exerted energy, trying to get somewhere, trying to find uh, something, when it's been chasing something. 
So your soul knows that it needs something and your soul is calling you to actually exert yourself when you're in a time of darkness to, uh, to exert your, uh, power, your energy, your strength, uh, towards the goal of, of finding refreshing. Your soul knows what it longs for. And, you know, God is not so cruel that he would give you a powerful inner drive, uh, that tells you that your soul is thirsty and then leave you powerless to direct it to its love. He wouldn't give you that thirst if there wasn't something in him that was meant to refresh it. So that thirst is meant to drive you. That first thirst is meant to call you uh, back to him. Those moments of pain are meant to call us to the presence of God. Uh, thirst is meant to drive intentionality. It's meant to drive steps. And, and I think so often, again, we feel powerless. We feel like we have so little control. Uh, when we talk about our soul, really, we're talking about in this Hebrew context, we're talking about our emotions. We have so little control over our emotions. They just sort of feel what they feel sometimes. But what the scripture is telling us is that we do have uh, steps to take. We do have that thing inside of us that can draw us. And, and maybe it's just tiny, tiny little steps. Even maybe we have very, very little control. Uh, but those very, very small steps are powerful steps that begin to slowly bring us to uh, the word of God, bring us to the love of God. And again, this is so complex for anyone who's wrestling with depression or in a really difficult place. You do really feel powerless. But my belief, my, my hope is that you'll see that there are tiny, tiny, tiny little things uh, that you can do, that God has actually empowered you more than you know uh, to take steps towards him. Uh, the other thought that's really important here is like, as a deer pants for flowing streams, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Uh, thirst points to a source. It points to hope. Uh, your thirst is evidence of water. Your soul thirst, again, is evidence for the love of God. Um, the fact that we all have it, and this is something that we look at, like even from a, an apologetics perspective, the, the rational defense of the faith, um, the fact that we all are longing for something, the fact that we are all pointing towards God is evidence that he's actually there. And so if you have thirst, just the fact that you have it is in a certain sense, hope that there is something meant to satisfy it. The thirst goes with the satisfaction, those two things aren't connected. You couldn't have that thirst if there wasn't satisfaction offered uh, by the Lord and good and pure and right satisfaction. And so the question really is then, how do we start? If my soul is thirsty and needs to be intentionally directed towards the love of God, uh, where do I start with that? Let me go on to the next uh, couple of verses. It says this, Why are you cast down on my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my Savior and my God. We want to notice that as we read Psalm 42, and actually Psalm 32, uh, Psalm, uh, 40, Psalm uh, 43, rather, uh, Psalm 42 and 43 are actually one psalm, and at some point in history, they just kind of inadvertently got split by the end of a scroll or something like that. But each of those uh, things have two two stanzas in them, and the stanzas sort of all end uh, with, um, why are you so downcast, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise my Savior, my God. Sorry, three stanzas there. It's a three stanza psalm, all ending with this verse. 
And so I want us to just notice that that's the heart of it. That's how we interpret the verse. That's where uh, the key ideas flow from. And so it is possible, as it says here, to uh, give direction to your soul. I'm saying it's possible to take steps. It's possible to do small things, uh, to work towards a place of health, to work towards a place of joy, to work towards a place of hope. And the first thing is that soul direction starts with just asking questions. And that's what we see in the text. Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? There's sort of two ways to view those questions. Uh, The first is like a question of inquiry and introspection. Like, so what's really happening in my life? Like, why am I downcast? Like, what's going on in my heart? Uh, For me, you know, I was wrestling with with an issue in terms of uh, thinking about preaching and success and failure and all of that kind of stuff. And I had to really dig to figure out what it was within me that was sort of tweaked, what it was within me that was feeling downcast, what sort of past experience or mechanism uh, was working in me to make this a difficult uh, moment for me. And it required that kind of introspection. That word cast down means why are you bowed? Why are you crouched? Why are you humbled? So it's wrestling with that sense of despondency and that sense of turmoil. Uh, The next question is actually kind of more like a question of challenge. So we've sort of asked like, hey, soul, like, what's going on with you? What's wrong? Like, what's going on? Can I understand this? The next question is like, hey, soul, like, what's up? Like, what's up with you? It's kind of like a question of challenge. That word turmoil, why are you in turmoil within me, is like howling, roaring, brawling. That's where that word is translated in the scriptures. Uh, So soul, why are you howling and and roaring and brawling? And so that's the other thing that goes on in us. Very often it's a mix. Like sometimes we're feeling downcast and upset, but we're often flipping back and forth to, hey, I'm mad. This is unjust. Bad things are happening. Like I'm really frustrated here. And so it's not necessarily a static situation of just being downcast. There's very often this mix of emotions going on in us. And we see this in the text in the other verses. It says this, my tears have been my food day and night. Well, that sounds like introspection. Like this person isn't sleeping. Uh, This person isn't eating. Uh, This person is uh, just in a great place of depression, sadness. They can hardly move. And then there's something that flips there. They say to me, oh, all day long, where is your God? Like, hey, this is an injustice. I'm feeling alone, and now people are mocking me for it, like, and I'm frustrated by it, right? So that's a question of turmoil. Why have you forgotten me, God? I'm lonely. I need you. I need your presence here. Why do I go on mourning? Like, hey, soul, like, what's up with you? Why can't you get out of this? And we hear a frustration in that question. Uh, You are the God in whom I take refuge. Oh, God, I'm just still. I'm just going to wait. I'm going to hide. I'm going to come. I'm going to be in your presence. And then, hey, God, it's all your fault. Like, why have you rejected me? And so that's just what our lives are like. We flip back and forth between uh, being downcast and being in turmoil. And so it's really important to understand those things. There are things in me that need really the comfort and healing of the love of God. And there are things in me that need to be challenged. And that question about me being frustrated about my preaching and what can I learn here, there's also pride and all kinds of things mixed in that. So my state uh, needs to be questioned. It needs to be inquired about. I need to understand what's going on. And then the question, of course, once I understand a little bit about what's going on in my life, Uh, You've got to learn what to do with it. (laughs) What do you do with that knowledge? What do you do with that sort of sense of of understanding about what's going on in your heart and on your life? And uh, came to this thought um, just in that word hope. Uh, directing your soul, and again, this is incredibly complex for someone especially who's in in a dark place in terms of depression. Uh, Directing your soul um, involves the exercise of your authority over it. 
that you can actually say something to it. You can speak to it. Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote an incredible book. He's a, a theologian and a physician, wrote an incredible book on Psalm 42, a really important work. And he, uh, he says this, he says, have you realized much of your unhappiness is because you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Take those thoughts that come to you at the moment you wake up in the morning. You've not originated them, but there they are talking to you. They bring to you the problems of yesterday. Somebody's talking. Who's talking? Yourself is talking to you. Now, this man's treatment in Psalm 42 was this. Instead of allowing this self to talk to him, he starts talking to his self. Why are you cast down, O my soul? He asked. His soul had been depressing him and crushing him, so he stands up and says, Self, listen for a moment. I shall speak to you. <laughs> I just, I like that. And that's sort of the tone of this whole psalm, is he's actually talking to himself. He's actually calling himself uh, to something. Um, it's, really, uh, it's really important to recognize that we uh, can speak to ourselves. Our will and our mind are in the mix with our emotions. That To be whole people, all of these things have to interact. So the first thing I see in that word hope, or the second thing I see in that word hope, is that uh, you can direct your soul to be open. Um, that word uh, hope is a word in Hebrew that's yachal, which means to wait with expectation. So it's not just waiting. It's not just being in a static place very often in, in our place of depression. And, and this is actually what the world teaches us in some ways is that we're just supposed to sit there and stay there and be in it. And I understand it would be folly to absolutely sort of pretend we're not feeling what we're feeling and, and just let our feelings completely rule us. But at the same time, uh, there needs to be something in us that expects change, that expects God to intervene, that expects God to do something or expects something to change. And that's the first thing in that command to your soul to hope is that you're commanding it to be open. You're commanding it to expect something to not live in its place of being stuck. Um, and that for some of us might be a starting point is just admitting that we feel stuck and just sort of trying to say to ourselves, hey, open yourself up to the possibility that God might want to do something amazing to you here. In those times of despondency, just open yourself up to the idea that God could intervene. Uh, the next thought there is that uh, it's not just hope, it's hope in God. So you can actually direct your soul towards the object of its hope or expectation. You can direct your soul uh, towards something. Now, we are told to just follow uh, the trend, follow whatever's happening, uh, or to sometimes uh, rely on what we've experienced before to guide us in terms of predicting what has happened uh, is going to happen in the future. Um, experiences orient us. Uh, so maybe your experience has you oriented to expect from a time of despondency that you're going to be rejected. Um, and in moments when you're healthy, it's really good to analyze that and think those things through to know what your patterns are. Because the reality is, is that it's not um, our histories that necessarily determine our futures. Uh, we can actually direct our souls to not just expect the same thing to happen again. We can direct our souls to put our hope in God and expect him to intervene. And it's just so much more hope-giving to imagine a glorious future of the intervention of God than it is to imagine a repeat of our past. 
and a step uh, in finding joy in the journey comes out of that. It says this in uh, 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, For we are not given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. And I think that I just wanted to bring that New Testament context to us because control is kind of a dirty word for us, right? Like we can be controlling and we can see manipulation and all kinds of evil things uh, there, but neither are we supposed to just let our emotions and everything happen to us. Um, control in Second Timothy 1.7 is seen as a fruit of the spirit. So we are supposed to influence our spiritual trajectories in some way, and we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do that. You can take steps that move your soul. You can literally take your hope and put it in God. You can transfer its location. You can transfer its trajectory. You can transfer its direction. You can reassign it to hope in something different than what it was hoping in before. And that's an act of your will. That's an act of decision-making. That's an act of uh, proclaiming something uh, to yourself. Uh, the next thought here is, it goes on, hoping God for I shall again praise in my salvation and my God. That word for is like telling your soul why you're telling it that. You can reason with your soul. You're supposed to bring your mind to bear on your situation, on your emotions, on your feelings. You're supposed to bring your thoughts to bear. You're supposed to bring the word of God to bear. Now it says, for I shall again praise him, my savior and my God. And uh, I just want to see that um, you can put your soul's hope in God when you intentionally preach the truth of the gospel to yourself. Right, You need to stand on a pulpit or look in a mirror sometimes, and I do too, and preach the truth of what is really going to happen in life to yourself, to remind ourselves of the truth, to remind ourselves uh, that there's hope, to remind ourselves of the love of God. And there's just something really beautiful in this uh, words, I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And I just want to see something in those three uh, key words there shall salvation in God. We say we shall praise him again. I think it's just something that, I mean, not, I don't think it was in the intention of the psalmist, but it points us to the resurrection. It points us to a future that God is in control of. It points us to a future uh, of praise, a future of worship, a future of being gathered around the throne of God, uh, surrounded by witnesses, uh, crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And if you're a believer, uh, you're going to experience the resurrection and be at work in God's new world. So there will be praise. And your soul in the deepest, darkest moments needs to know that it will be resurrected. Your soul needs to know that it's going to meet the love of Jesus in the cross. If you're despondent over sin or you've encountered your pride uh, when you've questioned your soul like I have, um, you need to know that God is going to save you from that as we confess our sins and repent and we leave those things at the foot of the cross. He sets us free and he forgives us and unlocks us and enables us to move forward. And this word, my God, is, is my Lord, my boss, my leader, that we're meant to have a life where, you know, this whole, this whole idea has been you talking to your soul, but you are receiving direction from God in life and leading your soul. You're leading under his leadership. So I just want to share all of that with us. There's just so much hope 
in those moments of despondency. There's so many ways to take tiny steps. And again, sometimes we just don't feel it. We just don't want to. We're just locked down. But the psalm is telling us, the psalmist is showing us that there is so much that we can do to begin to move our place selves from a place of despondency to a place of hope. I want to tell just a brief story to close, a story from uh, a woman in our community. And you know, when you tell these stories, you want to um, uh, tell them, you know, you want to find an illustration from somewhere or read an article or read a biography. And, and, and honestly, the best story I could find um, that really connected with my heart of a hero of walking through despondency is one in our own community. And I won't share this a beautiful, precious woman's name, but I hope you'll you'll hear it as a tribute to her. Uh, someone who'd gone through a depression, uh, seen as something by a physician as a chemical thing, something that had been experienced uh, in life before um, and walked through and actually experienced healing from before, uh, but began to walk through and begin to find uh, uh, healing. But but of, of souls that I've met and known and loved, um, this this person was was really broken like really tangibly broken. And what I saw this person do, which is one of the most incredible testimonies to her inner strength that, that, that I can imagine, and a, and a testimony to faith, is that everywhere she went, she was weeping, but she went. So weeping, she went to Bible study with the ladies. Weeping. She went to church, weeping. She went to the scriptures, weeping. She went to prayer, weeping. Uh, she came forward for prayer in church, weeping. She went to the grocery store. And what she did was just absolutely, absolutely incredible. That step by step, decision by decision from one of the darkest moments in her life. She took who she was, weeping, despondent, in struggle, and she went. She literally put herself in places to hear the gospel preached. She put herself in places so that she could put her hope in God. And she decided that day after day and slowly but surely, moment by moment, as the months unfolded, we watched healing happen. An incredible story of the grace and healing and mercy of God. But it absolutely would not have happened if she hadn't put her hope in God, invested it in God beautifully. And I just want to thank uh, you so much for your story. And thank you so much for being a part of our community. And thank you so much for the beauty that you modeled for us. And I just want to call us uh, to do that as a, as a community. Call us to do that as a church. Uh, to know that uh, God loves us. That, that thirst, that pain, that hurt, that struggle that we sometimes feel is meant to be met by the gospel. It's meant to be met by the presence of God. We're called to encounter him that way. Jake, you can come ahead and we can uh, just pray uh, together. So that's just the first part of the psalm. Uh, what I want to introduce uh, 
to us next week is the other part of Psalm 42. Those are the self-talk pieces of finding healing. But in the other part of Psalm 42, we're going to extract from that some actual real practical actions and things that we can do. There's incredible beauty. So we've got two weeks in Psalm 42. It just felt like we couldn't do it in the one week. There's just so much great stuff there. Uh, Hopefully that's helpful for us, uh, walking through uh, the challenges of life, uh, knowing that, uh, that God loves us and cares for us. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of Ottawa Valley Vineyard, visit ovv.ca.